The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Today's scripture reading is from the first letter to the Corinthians, uh, chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. It's on page 959 of your pew Bibles. <clears throat> Again, that's 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 to 27, on page 959. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. The word of the Lord. Amen. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Did you know that's this Thursday? Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. It's coming fast. And I've been gone the last two weeks, and so I'm really thankful today because I'm thankful to be home. I'm thankful to be with my family. I'm thankful to be with my church family. So thanks for welcoming me back. But I'm especially thankful this morning because this is like Christmas in November for me. There's nothing better to me than baptisms and new members as part of our family. Isn't that exciting? So praise God. When we have Sundays like these, though, I always feel the need to do some explaining. Um, I've told this story way too many times, but I just can't stop, so I'm going to tell it again. I once had a woman call and ask if I would baptize her dog. And that reminded me that every time we do baptisms or membership, we need to explain uh, what we're doing and why. We need to make sure we stay real close to the truth that makes all this stuff meaningful. It's real easy to get formal, isn't it, a church? It's real easy to get full of religiosity and to have no clue anymore as to what we're doing and why. Well, what's it mean? What's the truth behind it? So maybe we could think about it like this. Maybe this will be helpful for you. We could think about baptism and church membership, which we're celebrating today, kind of like a wedding ring, okay? Now this, this ring says something about me, doesn't it? 
Uh, you, you know that there's a story behind it, there's a commitment I've made, there's relationships in my life. Now, is this ring my marriage? No, would I still be married if I took it off? Yeah, okay. It's not the essence of the thing, but does it say something about the essence of the thing? It sure does, it says a lot. And so, baptism and, and local church membership is kind of like a wedding ring. And so as we put on the ring, if you will, it's not quite that serious, don't worry everyone. Um, but as we, as we have this outward celebration, uh, I, we, we need to savor the marriage behind the ring. Does that make sense? We need to savor the reality of why we do these things, and that's what I wanna do with you a little bit this morning. So I'm gonna work from 1 Corinthians uh, we're going to be chapter 12. It's on page 959 in your chair Bibles. Uh, if you remember anything about this church, um, you'll remember it was a mess. They're full of pride. They're full of divisions, drama. There was actually, evidently, church members suing one another in court. So wouldn't that be a nice church to go to? Okay. Um, so Paul is writing them to just to refresh, refurbish, revive, remind them of what's happened to them and who they are because of it, believing that that would change how they live. So it's this truth of what's happened to them as Christians and this truth of who they are because of it that changes everything. And so um, in my estimation, we are much healthier than the church in Corinth. Praise God for his grace. Okay? To my knowledge, none of you are trying to sue one another. So there's always something to be thankful for, right? How was church today? Hey, nobody took me to court. Could be worse, right? To my knowledge, we're a lot better than that. But, but the reality of how this works is the same for the church at all times. How we are to live together has to be motivated by what has happened. So we're going to look for those three things in this passage if you're a Christian, this is what's happened to you. If you're a Christian, this is who you are because of it. And if you're a Christian, if we're Christians together, this is how we wanna live. So if you're already a Christian and you're already in, be refreshed, savor the marriage. Savor your own baptism. Savor this essential reality that pulls us together. If you're not a Christian, we're so happy that you're here, so happy. Just imagine what it might be like to be a Christian. It, imagine what it might be like to, to cross that line and to join into what the author here is talking about. But let's dive in. First of all, if you're a Christian, this is what has happened to you. We're gonna start in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with, with what? Christ, uh, not with what, with who? So you get the idea, right? You have one body. Hope you're all tracking with me there. Anybody like, no, I have four. No, one. But your body is made up of many members. That just means parts, okay? Different, different things, doing different stuff, all part of one body. You're like, okay, I get that. But what's strange is Paul then says, so it is with Jesus. Jesus is like this. And so then we're going, well, what do you mean? Why are you saying that? Well, he continues, verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, 
All are made to drink of one spirit. What are you talking about, Paul? Well, first of all, Jesus is like that body. And second, he says, if you're a Christian, you've been baptized into Christ by the spirit. Now, how do you feel when I throw that mess out, mess out at you? You've been baptized into Christ by the spirit. It's so full of religious stuff, right, that many of us maybe are like, huh? I, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. I don't get it. You guys, if we unpack this, uh, it'll, it'll blow you away. Something incredible has happened to you. So I wanna, I wanna meditate on this with you. I wanna savor it with you. Let's just, let's just walk through the process. Let's remember what it's like to become a Christian. Remember what it's like. First, something has to happen. You have to hear what we call the gospel. The gospel is the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. That idea has to go into your brain somehow, right? The concepts have to go either through your eyeballs as you read or through your ears as you hear. The concept has to hit your brain, this news of who Jesus is and what he's done. Maybe it's meaningless to you the first thousand times you hear it. Maybe you go, eh. Or maybe you go, yeah, I think it's true, but it's boring, whatever. But then one day, it lands on you with new eyes, and you see it differently. It's beautiful. You need it. You want it. Here's what you see differently. You see that God is awesome. See that the world is all about him. He's Lord. He's creator. He's judge. You stand before him in some way. You need him in some way. You begin to see how awesome God is. The second thing you begin to see, you begin to see that your sin is real. Uh, have you heard people say, hey, nobody's perfect? Have you ever said that before? Listen, none of us are fooled. None of us thought you were perfect, okay? <laughs> Did anyone come in here going, I wonder if Matt's perfect? You've never had that thought in your life, okay? You guys, sin before God is not an accident that you stepped in once. It's a rebellion against him that says, I don't wanna delight in you, I don't wanna surrender to you, I don't want you to be my everything, I don't wanna follow you, I don't wanna obey you, I'm on a different God, I wanna be my own God. God, you go over here. And part of becoming a Christian is realizing the reality of what that sin means. I haven't loved God as he deserves, I haven't loved others, I haven't kept his standards for life. I see that in some way I'm broken. I don't have the joy and peace and meaning and identity that I long for. It's like my heart is homeless. I'm, I'm lost. I'm untethered. And I see that in some way I'm condemned. I'm guilty. If I stand before a holy God based on his commands and his rules, I'll be justly condemned. I'll deserve his wrath. You see it when you become a Christian. You begin to feel it. But then you also see the beauty of who Jesus is and what he's done. Have you seen it? I mean, have you really seen it? That the second person of the Trinity, the beloved son of God, would come to earth and put on human flesh to take your place? That he would live the life you couldn't live? That he lived a life of total obedience, pleasing to God the Father? And that he humbled himself to die on a cross? Why did he die on a cross, folks? Was to show you a picture of love? He died on a cross to take your place. Can you see the cross as a place where Jesus Christ took upon himself the justice from God that you and I deserve? He paid, Christians believe, 
for my sin, for our sin on the cross. Can you see it? He died for our sins and he rose from the dead. And you guys, this is the most important thing. This is what we're all about here at Fountain of Life. It's the good news of the gospel that Jesus came to live and die and rise to save us from our sins. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Paul said, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and he appeared. That's the gospel. So how do we respond when we see it? When we see that God is awesome, when we see the reality of our sin, when we see the beauty of Jesus and what he's done, will you respond with, we use words like repentance and faith. Do you know what it means to repent? To repent is just to turn, okay? You ever, you ever been lost on a road trip and you go, I'm going the wrong way. And what do you do? You turn, okay? Repentance is, I'm, I've been living my life for the wrong things. I've been following the wrong king. I've been worshiping the wrong God. I need Jesus. I'm gonna turn. And so faith then is clinging to him, trusting to him, trusting in him, looking to him as your savior. He earns your forgiveness, before a holy God. It's looking to him as your Lord. He's now your meaning and your purpose, your king. You wanna obey him. And more than that, he's your treasure. Isn't he your treasure? He's the one whose face you wanna see. He's the one with whom you want to be. That's what it means to repent. You guys, all these things, to see how awesome God is, to see the reality of your sin, to see the beauty of Jesus and to turn to him, that's what it means to become a Christian. Can I get an amen from someone, right? Has that happened to you? Can you see it? Do you get it? Do you feel it? Do you want it? When you become a Christian, I want you here to realize that something has happened to you that's deeper and greater than just believing a set of religious facts. Believing a set of religious facts does not alone make you a Christian. Something has happened to you when you see it, and that's now where we get to that phrase, baptized into Christ by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. When you saw it, when you felt it, when you wanted it, when you trusted it, when you believed it, when you went after it, that happened to you because the Spirit came on you and woke you up. He enabled you to see and that changed your heart as you saw the beauty of Christ and what he's done. Not only did he enable you to see, he baptized you. So that old word, baptizo, any, anybody like fondue, okay? I have some friends, we do a fondue party, okay? Some of you are polite, you take your little strawberry, you tip the little tip of your strawberry and a little, little, little dot of chocolate, you know? That's not how I like to eat my fondue, okay? I wanna get like my knuckles <laughs> chocolatey, okay? And all that is, folks, I'm just baptizing the strawberry, okay? In the name of the Father, Son, for the, and the Holy Spirit, for the goodness of God, amen, okay? Immersed, connected into that chocolate. This idea of baptisms means the Holy Spirit of God has connected you to Jesus. Jesus did not come to give you a list of facts and you go, yeah, I think that's true. It's far deeper than that. As you trust the truth, he actually connects you to the person of Jesus. So think of these images the Bible gives us about Christians. We are the bride of Christ, 
connected. We are the family of God. God is my father, Jesus my brother. And here in this text, we are the, the what? The body of Christ. As your arm is connected to your shoulder, the Holy Spirit has connected you to the very person of Jesus Christ. If you have any awe reverence for Jesus, that ought to really excite you. You're connected to him. You're bonded, he's near. You're part. It's amazing. Look what Paul says in Romans 6, three to four, what it means to be baptized into Christ. Romans 6, three to four. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his what? His death. So, so here he is talking to live people saying, hey, you've died. Is that weird? Can I say to you all, hey, you've died? And you're like, I'm sitting here alive. Well, in a way, you've died. When you become a Christian, this old life of rebellion against God has died. That's what that water means. It's that symbolism that you've been connected to Christ and so his death is your death. He paid for your sins and you've died to that old life of alienation from God, keeping God at distance. That's, that's dead to you and you have a new life now and that's drying off out of the water when we do baptism. I give you the towel, you dry off. That symbolizes Jesus rose from the dead and you rose with him too. Do you see it in Romans 6? Look at 6.4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in what? Newness of life, there's a new you because you've been connected to Jesus by the Spirit of God. It's incredible, you're alive but you've died. You were dead in your sin but now you're alive to new life as a child of God. You are unified to Jesus. Paul says uh, here in chapter 12 that we drink of one spirit. We've been made to drink of one spirit. That's another illustration that maybe is difficult for us. How do y'all do that every day? Can you, can you tell me? You know, do you ever talk to your friends about that? What were you up to Tuesday? It's just drinking of the spirit. How's that taste? What does that mean, folks? This is, this is Christian reality, Paul says. To drink of one spirit. I'm gonna take you to a passage in the Gospel of John, John 7, 37. Look what Jesus says, John 7, 37. Jesus stood up and cried out. Amazing words Jesus says here. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. What does it mean to thirst? You guys know what that means. I remember uh, my wife and I climbed Half Dome once in Yosemite, you ever done that? That is a trip. It's way too steep, and you're like, is this legal? They're gonna let me do this? And you go straight up this rock wall, and you, it's like a mile or something off the valley. It's incredible, you should try it if you can. We didn't take enough water. We hung out up on, the, on, that, on that cliff way too long. We didn't take enough water. We gotta go all the way down, we gotta hike. Man, at the end of that hike, I was so thirsty. It's the thirstiest I've ever been in my life. Thirstiest I've ever been. And we're finally, we make it to a stream, and we're like, I know I'm supposed to purify this. Do I really need to? That's how thirsty I was. Uh, I can't remember if I did or not, but to feel that cold water when I was so thirsty, I just wanted to, just wanted to go in it. I just wanted it all, I wanted to drink so bad. You get the idea, don't you? Are you thirsty? It's a longing, isn't it? 
It's a longing, it's a deep longing. What is my life about? Who am I, what am I here for? How do I get right with God who made me? I know I'm not right with him, I'm thirsty. And Jesus says, if anybody's thirsty, where should you go? Come to me and drink. What's Jesus saying about himself? I will satisfy you. I will satisfy you. I will, I will show you what you're here for. I will thrill you with who I am and my love for you. I will bring you into the family of God. Let him come to me and drink. Now look at verse 38, John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What an amazing illustration. Just fire hydrant out of your chest. What do you mean, Jesus? Verse 39. Now he said this about the what? The Spirit. Put it all together, folks. What does it mean to drink of the Spirit? It means to have a constant source of satisfaction in who Jesus is and what he has done for you. His love for you every moment. His presence with you all the time. Everything God has given to you in Christ through his life, his death, his resurrection, his lordship over your life, when he returns, Jesus is enough. Jesus is what we need. Satisfied in him. That's the marriage behind the ring. So why, why am I gonna baptize Carter, Bo, and Matthew today? Okay, is there anything magic about the water I have in this amazing wooden contraption here? Did I order it from like holywater.com, you know? Of course it costs $77.77, right? Holywater.com, and I just get it, it comes in a special bottle, you know, and I don't spill a drop, otherwise the baptism won't work. Or is it, is it me, because I'm a pastor, right? And I just, you know, I've got a little box in my office and I put my hands in there, makes it holy, and I come and touch it, and now the baptism will work, because I touch the water. Is that how this works? No, you guys, did you know that my wedding ring that I'm wearing right now is made of silicon? Isn't that hilarious? I dislocated, this is a symbol, it's not the reality. I could lose it, I'll buy another one for $8.99 on Amazon. <laughs> it's a, if, you, if you notice over the years, I've gone through a few different colors. I'm on gray right now, okay? It's a symbol of the marriage that I have with my beloved wife. As we put water on these guys today, it's a symbol of what the Holy Spirit has done to them. He has united them to Jesus Christ. And they have a new life in him. And if you know them, you can see that new life. You can see it in them. That's why we're baptizing today, okay? That's what's happened to you if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I hope you go, at least you go. That sounds good. And I just wanna invite you, you could be a Christian. Trust Jesus. Okay, what does that say about who you are? We'll move a little quicker here. Look down at verse 27, we'll make it real plain. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Paul is talking to Christians, and what does he say to them? Now you are the what? The body of Christ and individually members of it. Isn't that insane? You should all be a little bit shocked. I get to be part of Christ's body? I do not deserve that. I'm not wise enough, good enough, 
anything enough. Oh, the grace of God that he would connect me to Christ. I'm a member of his body. But here's the, here's the biblical logic, okay? If I'm connected to Christ and you're connected to Christ, what does that mean about you and me together? We're connected to one another. We are connected to one another. Like my pinky finger on my right hand and my left elbow, part of the same body. We're members of one another. We're connected to one another. Back in verse 12, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though, members are, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the church. We together, and then the church universal, all those believers out there everywhere, we're part of his body. You are the body of Christ and members of it. If you're a Christian, do you see this about yourself? Do you really see yourself in this light? You are united to Jesus Christ. Treasure that, savior that. As you are united to Jesus Christ, guess what? You are united to all of his people. We are connected. And it's ontological reality. Now, I'm not actually smart enough to use that word. I don't have a... I think it means it's something that is metaphysically true no matter what, despite how you feel. It is ontological reality. Do you ever have feelings that are out of whack with your reality? I do all the time. I know, I've been talking about my marriage, so I'll keep going. I know I'm in love with my wife. I love that girl more than I love anybody else. I love her so much. And honest confession, I don't always feel in love with my wife. Is anybody, is anybody there? Do any of you love people and you don't always feel like you love them? Of course, of course, okay? Of course. Uh, it's gonna be Thanksgiving on Thursday. We all have 10 million things we could be thankful for. Is anybody gonna struggle with feeling thankful? Yeah, okay? Our feelings don't always match up with reality. It's part of being a broken human. Now, you could have had painful relationships with other Christians, or you could not be a part of a local church at all. You could be doing like Lone Ranger Christian, off on the horse in the desert by yourself. You could feel like there's no way. But I want you to know that your connect, if you're a Christian, your connection to other Christians is as real as what Jesus did for you on the cross. And you are members with other Christians. You are. And we need to see ourselves this way even though we don't feel like it. That's why we do local church membership. How are you gonna live out church membership with the universal church? How on earth are you gonna do that? Who are they? <laughs> you don't... You don't know their names. It's just this mass, vague group of people. What is the one way to live out the reality that you are a member of Christ and his church? The only way to do that is local church participation. That's why we do membership. It's living out the truth that as we're connected to Christ, we're connected to his people. And the only way possible to do that because I'm a limited human in space and time and resources is I do that with y'all. 
And we do that together. That's why we do church membership. So as we recognize members today, these are folks, they've gone, we've gone through a bunch of classes together. We've sat in talking about what we believe and why and what we have unity on and how we want to roll together as God's people. And we've said, but well, there's an agreement. We've said, yeah, I want, I want to do that with you guys. I want to follow Jesus together. You are my brothers and sisters. You are the part of the body where I want to belong. And look down at 1 Corinthians 12, 18, an amazing verse, 12, 18. As it is, what happened? Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Do you believe that? Who made you a member, a participant here at this local church, according to this verse? I'm not exaggerating. Paul's talking to the Corinthians, right? And he's saying, you're members of the body there in Corinth. And he's saying, God has arranged that those would be, y'all would be the body together. God has put that there. And so as we, as we welcome members in Christ under his word, we have this promise. Who has brought us together for this time and place? God has. It's no small thing. God has put us together. What has happened to us, church, if you're Christians? You've been united, you've been united to Jesus by his Holy Spirit. And then who are you? You're members of Christ and his body. Do you see it? You are members of Christ and his body. Well, how should we live? How should we live? Paul has a a funny example in verses 14 to 21 that the church had a bunch of divisions. And so Paul says, well, look at verse 18. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? You know, it'd be hard to have a body with one part. It's kind of funny. Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, the I can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. <laughs> funny illustration, you imagine an eye. Blue, beautiful, complex, it sees things. Don't you value your eyes a lot? I mean, if there was one part of the body, you don't wanna get it messed up. It would be your eyes. And then Paul mentions feet. Those are kind of gross, right? They have toes. They're, they're strange looking, okay? So the eye could be like, I'm all beautiful, I see stuff. You're ugly, you have toes. I don't need you. I don't need this mess. I'm just gonna go out and be an eye by myself. I'm gonna roll, I'm round, I can roll, you know? I'll just roll down the street, I'll be seeing everything. Get away from me, you ugly foot. It's a joke, right, it's funny. That's Christians when we say we don't need one another. That's Christians when we say we don't need one another. I'm over here, I got this, you're over there, you're, I don't need this. You're kind of like an eye rolling down the street, you got asphalt all over you. <laughs> what, how can you say that? Well, because of what's happened to you. You've been united to Christ, and therefore you're connected to one another. And so how should we live? Well, the first thing is we want 
humble commitment to one another. Instead of saying, I don't need you, what should we be saying? I'm so glad you're different than me and we're together in this. It's, it's humble commitment. I'll, I'll see for you. You walk for me. You get the idea. Humble commitment. The second thing we want, we want to strive for unity. Verses 22 to 25, Paul talks about different parts. You know, some are out in front, some are hidden under clothes, some are more strong, some are more weak. Look at the end of verse 24. He says, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Here's the main point, verse 25. That there may be no, what? No division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. This is what we want to be like as members. You have some strengths, I have some weaknesses, I have some strengths, you have some weaknesses. As we come together striving for unity, those differences, instead of causing division, can cause unity. If we have the right heart that says, you know what, I've been connected to Christ, I've been saved by his grace, I'm loved through what he's done for me, I'm gonna love you like that, I need you like that. Do you see how this changes how we wanna live as a church? We wanna strive for unity. We wanna care for one another in the same way, right? You're taking care of your different parts, okay? Some of us, you know, we, you gotta brush your teeth more. You don't care for your teeth as much as, I don't know, your hair or something. But in general, we gotta care for all the parts, care for the, care for the body. We want each, we want the whole part of the church body to care for one another because we're connected to Christ. We're connected to one another. We want humble commitment, we want unified, we want to be unified, strive for unity, last, we want to live in love. Look at verse 26. You have to admit, wouldn't this be sweet? If one member suffers, all suffer together. Do you remember last time maybe you hit your thumb with a hammer or something? And your whole body was like, oh, my thumb, okay? Your whole self was, ah, this hurts. And you're running to the doctor or you're finding the medicine or whatever. Your whole body went to take care of that one piece that was hurting. And if somebody says to you, man, I love your hair, your whole body's like, hey, thanks, okay? Your hair's still waving, but now your mouth's smiling. And your posture's higher, I don't know. The whole body celebrates. Or where you were sick and your whole body was crumbled and you're getting better and the whole body is, what a picture of love. Where if, if you're a part of our family and you're a part of our family and if you're hurt, we all go, oh, you're hurt. And if you're like, hey, praise God, this happened, we're like, oh, sweet, praise God. But it's the sense of the body and this is just love, Right? Love, why would we love one another like this? Well, because we're united to Christ. God has loved us like this. He loves us. And therefore, we're united to one another. Therefore, we wanna live in humble, unified love. Does that make sense? That's what we wanna be at Fountain of Life. We wanna be a church like that. So why are we doing baptisms today? Because if you're a Christian, you're unified to Christ. That's what we're celebrating. Why are we doing new members today? Because when we're unified with Christ, we're unified to one another. And local church membership is a way to live out being members to the greater, in the greater church. And what do we want to be about? Loving one another in humble unity. Doesn't that sound good? Are y'all in? Let's grow in that. All right, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take up our offering.
And then uh, we're gonna hear some testimonies from Carter and from Bo. So uh, when we do baptisms, I'd like to, to uh, let folks give a little testimony. So you can see a picture of their faith as they're trusting Christ. It'll encourage you. And then we're also gonna bring up Melissa after we baptize Bo. We're gonna baptize baby Matthew. Uh, the reason we baptize babies is not because we think it saves them. We don't believe that at all. But we think that the children of believing parents start in the covenant family. They start in. So they get the mark of that covenant, which for Christians is baptism. We raise them up to know the gospel. We treat them like part of the family. And we pray and trust that they'll repent and trust Christ as they grow. Then after we do those baptisms, we'll welcome new members and then we'll eat lunch. We'll be done by then. Sound good? All right, let me pray. We'll take up our offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the love that you give us, that you don't just... Uh, send us a list of ideas to believe, but you actually unite us to your very son. We are connected to him and you love us with the same love that you love him. And you call us children just as he is your eternal son. We cannot fathom the greatness of this gift that you would do that for us. I pray for each one in here, Lord, that we would taste how sweet that is and we would want it and pursue it and believe it and trust it. That uh, you would excite those who are Christians and that you would uh, convert those who aren't because of your great love. So bless us, Lord, as we continue our time together. Thank you for uh, those who are gonna be involved and participate. Pray your blessing on them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.